Hey everybody and welcome back to Steve's NRL Footy Tips for Round 8. I'm your host, Stephen Westway. Back on Wednesday afternoon as we prepare to get back to our regular scheduled NRL matches. No Monday night games this weekend. It's Thursday to Sunday football. Bought a couple weeks in the NRL it has been. And the Anzac Day matches on Monday afternoon really capped off an uh, interesting week of NRL. And, you know, it was great to see... All those fans out there at the SCG for the last traditional game between the Sydney Roosters and the St. George Yellow Dragons. And what an upset it was with the Dragons getting the two points after a gritty and tough second half where they managed to hang on and really, um, you know, maintain that lead despite the Roosters really throwing everything that they had at them in the second half. And then in the second game of Anzac Day football, we saw, you know, the Storm, their biggest win of all time. I believe it was, or, or tied their biggest win of all time. It was Warriors' biggest loss of all time. A dominant 70-10 victory, which saw two tries from Jerome Hughes and three try assists, three try assists from Cameron Munster, and in 60 minutes, two tries and three try assists from Ryan Pabahiasen, who has without a doubt cemented his place as perhaps the best player in rugby league at the moment. But as I said, it was an up-and-down week of football, depending on who you support it. There's a lot of coaches under pressure, on today's episode, we're going to get into my uh, top five, the top five coaches under pressure after seven rounds of the Telstra Premiership. The pressure cooker um, is really starting to affect some of these coaches. I mean, some of these clubs really have to turn around their fortunes in the next few weeks, or we could really see some coaches on the chopping block in the next month or two. So we're going to get into that shortly. Um, but as I said, some big upsets. We saw the Tigers defeat the Rabbitohs. Um, Via Luke Brooks' field goal for the second week in a row, the Tigers win with a field goal and get their second win of the year, and that will definitely help Michael Maguire um, and his future and a lot of the players at the club's future for the interim, and hopefully they continue that form. They've got a big game against the Dragons this week, which now shapes up to be a, a huge game considering both teams have won two matches in a row. So we've got that happening. The Eels bounce back in dominant fashion against the Knights. And on Thursday night, we had such an... An interesting game of football. The Sharks took a 32-point lead into the break before Manly came back and at one point looked like they are going to beat the record for the biggest comeback in rugby league history. But the Sharks hung on to that win, 32-24, and we saw a Seafire Talakai special in the first half. It was one of the most dominant first-half displays or any half displays I've ever seen from an individual in my entire life. So, some huge moments that happened over the past week, but we're going to preview all the action for Round 8 today. And as I said, there's some massive games this weekend. We've got the Rabbitohs versus Manly. We've got the Dragons versus the Tigers. To start the week, we've got the Broncos, who are under a little bit of pressure themselves, even despite finally picking up a win last week, versus the Cronulla Sharks, who are flying at the moment. So, some big, big games of football. Before we get to it, I'm going to go through my team of the week. For round seven, and in round seven, by the way, I did get five out of eight footy tips correct. It wasn't, you know, a fantastic week by me by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm hoping to bounce back this week. My five out of eight for round seven takes me to a total of 43 overall with the two points that you get for the perfect round. So 41 correct tips, really, out of 56 after seven weeks, and I'll take that any day of the week. But hopefully we can get another perfect round this week. Hopefully you guys are showing your support on Facebook. Please like the page at Steve's NRL Footy Tips. Subscribe, leave a review wherever you guys listen to your favorite podcasts each and every week, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or Google Podcasts. All right, my round seven team of the week. And, you know, it was another hard team of the week to place. There was a lot of big-time performers in all eight games this weekend. And uh, at fullback, I went Ryan Pappenhaus. And as I mentioned, two tries, three try assists. At his dominant best, he even got an early mark in the Storm's 70-10 victory over the Warriors. He is one of my performers of the week. He's probably my second best player of the week. But a dominant performance. And, uh, you know, the conversations even come up whether he should displace the current New South Wales captain, James Tedesco, of the Blues fullback at Jersey. Obviously, I think that Tedesco has probably done enough to keep that role, but Pabahousen's got to be in the 17 somewhere for the Blues, whether it be uh, in number 14 or potentially in the centres. On the wings, I've gone Renato Mulatalo from Cronulla. Two tries, good display, and really um, backed up some of their dominant playmakers like Talakai well. Xavier Coates is my other winger. Four tries in the Storm's dominant victory over the Warriors, and uh, 
It was his first hat-trick and his first four-try romp, obviously, as well. So, well done, Xavier Coach. In the centres have gone David Norfolk from the Tigers. Another two tries. Um, he's a great finisher, Norfolk What can you say about him? And the Tigers are finally hitting some form. And, um, you know, he's reaping the benefits out there on the wing for them. I've shifted him to the centres for the team of the week. But... Uh, a great performance there by Norfolk and nonetheless, Sifatalakai is my other center. As I mentioned, two tries, three try assists in the first half, 250 meters, 12 tackle breaks, line break assists. It was all happening there for Talakai. Um, what a master stroke by Craig Fitzgerald to move him out to the centers. Uh, Connor Tracy was hurt, so it was a force change there. They didn't really have a... Uh, a spare specialist centre there. And obviously, Talakai started his career at the centres. And he started there uh, for South Sydney, I believe, in 2016 and 2017 before departing the club under some controversial circumstances. But great to see him get his career back on track. As I mentioned, it might have been the best 40 minutes I've seen from any individual in rugby league history. And he looked threatening in the second half with the limited football he got. But Talakai just set the rugby league world on a light on Thursday night for with a huge performance. And without a doubt, in my opinion, the performance of the year. In the half, I've gone Luke Brooks from the Tigers. 15 points in that victory over South Sydney, including a, a try, um, 212 metres. And, you know, it's good to see him get a try after the try last year. He got disallowed, which would have defeated the South Sydney Rabbitohs. This year, um, he gets it and he clutches the field goal and is the game winner. And he just looks so, um, you know, so more free under the, you know, the half tutelage there with Jackson Hastings. Hastings has really come in and take the pressure off Brooks and let Brooks play his natural game. And the Tigers are reaping the benefits at the moment. Jerome Hughes is my halfback of the week. I mentioned two tries, three try assists. But that was a tough position to pick this week. There were some standout performers and a couple of, them, a couple of those players are on my bench and we'll get to them shortly. In the props, I've gone Francis Molo from the Dragons. He's one of the most underrated forwards in the game, Molo. Um, you know, he's played for Queensland. He uh, he always has a big motor, and he, he played really well for the Cowboys. Without a doubt, his best performance for the Dragons thus far, and he scored the opening try of their game, which is very unusual to see for big Francis Molo, but I think he deserves it. His work goes underappreciated, and without a doubt, he's um, one of the cogs in the Dragons' forward pack, and I think he should be starting in that proposition every week there for St. George. Payne Huss is my other prop of the week, 240 metres, 40 tackles, you bring Payne Haas back on the side, and the Broncos look, um, you know, a lot, a lot more threatening, and and they're making a lot of more meters. And and Payne Haas is going to be their forward leader for a very long time to come, and he's shown up every week that he's played there. So Haas gets the uh, other proposition in hooker. I've gone Reed Marnie, two try assists. Uh, I think it was about forty-five tackles. It was just a, a typical Reed Marnie performance, but. You know, giving his forward some space near the line there for Parramatta. It's making a big difference there for the Eels at the moment that those barge-over tactics, Damien Cook has done it um, in his career for great success. Marnie has that, but he also can break the line um, in the middle of the field, and he's he's a dangerous uh, ball runner when he gets into space. So Reed Marnie gets the hooker position. The second row this week, I've gone Isaiah Papalehi from the Eels. Two tries. Look dominant. He's been one of the best second rollers in the game for a few years now, and he's continuing his form. Jack, uh, Josh Jackson is my other player, another underrated player. And, you know, the Bulldogs haven't had much success over the past few years, but 150 metres, 51 tackles. You can't uh, put anything against Josh Jackson there. He he doesn't always, um, you know, he's, he, he doesn't always get appreciated, but he's always there doing the hard work for the Bulldogs, and he's without a doubt the backbone of that club at the moment. My lock of the week, Isaiah Yo, I think he has been the best player this year. He's been in these teams five out of the seven possible rounds he could be so far, and, um, you know, he scored a try for his hard work, and he's just such a, a great cog between uh, Cleary and, and Luai. You've got another just damaging um, ball player there in Isaiah Yo that it just makes defensive um, patterns and defensive reads just hard to come up with against Penrith because Isaiah Yo is just an unpredictable factor in their attack, and he's obviously a great defender as well. On the bench this week, have gone Scott Drinkwater from the Cowboys. He was great in their win over the Titans. Ben Hunt from the Dragons, man in the match in the game against the Roosters. Adam Reynolds for the Broncos. He was the man in the match in the game against the Bulldogs as well. That's why I said that him and Hunt were definitely in contention to um, overtake Jerome Hughes as their starting halfback. But so was this man, Nathan Cleary, my number 17 this week. And, you know, he's just... He makes it look all too easy, Cleary. Tries, try assists. He's just a, an all-round player. And, um, you know, he just leads Penrith around with uh, what seems like it's effortless, but it's actually a lot of hard work there from Nathan Cleary. That is my team of the week 
for round seven. As I mentioned, we're about to get into my tips for round eight. But as I mentioned, we've got a segment this week, and it is my top five coaches under the most pressure in 2022. And we're going to get kicked off right now with naming my five coaches under the most pressure this year. And, um, you know, it's changed over the last few weeks. We've seen some wins by some struggling teams, and it's taken the pressure off a little bit. And I want to give an honorable mention or dishonorable mention, I guess, to Anthony Griffin. Um, I think that a few weeks ago he was under a bit of pressure, but the Dragons put it together, and they weren't great against the Roosters on Sunday, but that, uh, on Monday not, on Monday afternoon, sorry, but that emotion of the occasion has really lifted the club, and it was a great defensive effort, a much more um, Anthony Griffin-based defensive effort. That's what he's known for as a coach, really instilling those defensive structures into his teams, and that's a positive for the Dragons. Hopefully on, they're on the up and up. I mean... Injuries to Jaden Sewer uh, won't help, and, and Jack Bird potentially could be out this week as well with a um, an arm injury. It could be fractured. I'm not sure if we've got the official word on whether it's actually broken or not. But um, you know, it's good to see the Dragons on the up and up, and and, and Griffin get a little less pressure on him. But um, he's a dishonourable mention, I guess. At number five, I've got Nathan Brown, and for the New Zealand Warriors, and he definitely makes the the list this week after. You know, the Warriors' worst club in, uh, defeat in club history, 70-10. And some people might say, well, why isn't he under more pressure? Well, you know, the Warriors have had excuses over the last few years. They haven't been based in New Zealand since 2019 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And Nathan Brown's come in. I think he's done a decent job there at the club and, and trying to make them, um, you know, a competitive team and, and putting some stability into the club and, and their leaders there. And he's... You know, got Sean Johnson to the club. Reese Walsh seems like he's enjoying his football there at the moment. Um, obviously, some players are looking to get off ship as they prepare to, you know, eventually play back there in New Zealand, hopefully later this year against the West Tigers. But um, as I mentioned, I mean, he's got to be under pressure after that 70-10 defeat. They've won three games, the Warriors, but I think a lot of a lot of fans of them expect them to be, you know, competitive into the top eight. As I said, they've had plenty excuses against them, but... Um, after a 70 to 10 defeat, there's going to be alarm bells ringing. And, you know, they've got a lack of troops. I think Toe Harris would definitely improve them when he comes back into the team later this year. And Josh Curran, who without a doubt has really picked up the slack of Toe Harris and become, you know, the heart and soul of that club. He's, especially in the forward pack anyway, he's got an MCL injury. So it doesn't get any easier there for the Warriors. But I think that uh, Nathan Brown has had mixed success there so far. As I said, he's been a, a good stable kind of authority figure at the club and you know I think he's done a decent job so far I don't think his job should be under pressure um for this year but if the Warriors cannot you know find improvement especially after a 70 tender loss to the Melbourne Storm and and they can't bounce back and have that bounce back factor and really you know put a performance there fans can be proud of this week against the Raiders and over the next month or two then the pressure could definitely start to ring there for Nathan Bryant so he's my number five coach under the most pressure this at this juncture of the NRL season. My number four coach under the most pressure um, this week is Michael Maguire. A couple of weeks ago, he probably would have been number one, but obviously the, the Tigers have found some heart and they've found some two back-to-back great performances to beat the Eels and the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And really, um, that Eels game really got a... Just a mentor, what Michael Maguire had been saying these past few months. Obviously, the club hasn't made the finals since 2012. They've they've struggled to be competitive for that 10-year period. And, you know, it almost seems like they've gone backwards under the Michael Maguire regime in some ways. They're really struggling to attract top players to the club. Um, and unfairly, I think Madge has got the criticism um, and the short end of the stick in terms of, of the Tigers' form. But he is the coach, and at the end of the day, the the pressure does go to him. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Madge. I think that he did outstanding things there at South Sydney and he really changed the, you know, the uh, mindset and the whole organisation to become a lot more professional and it obviously led to their first premiership in 43 years when they won the 2014 Grand Final CS. But, uh, you know, people need to come in. He's trying to really get players to believe in, in what he's selling here, Madge. And it's defensive structures, it's effort plays, it's work off the football. And I think that the Tigers are starting to finally get that message. And Jackson Hastings has been a godsend for him over the past few weeks. He's taken the pressure off Luke Brooks. Let Luke Brooks play his natural game. And then that got, gets guys like Little and Dane Laurie uh, more involved in the match. But... Uh, He's still number four. He's got to keep it going. They've got a big game against the Dragons this week. I mean, the Rabbitohs, um, 
were terrible last week against them. They made 14 errors. They had the worst handling rate in the comp. And you just got a sense that if South Sydney could hang on to the ball last Saturday night, they would have won that game. But they just let so many opportunities pass them by from unforced errors. But credit to Michael McGuire's West Tigers. They really hung in there and, and managed to cling on to the two-point victory. Uh, the, the, the one-point victory and get the two points at the end of the day. So um, credit to Madge. He's got to keep it up. As I mentioned, it's a long season. And you'd hope that the Tigers would have to be competitive and probably be um, in finals contention for you know the conversations to start for Michael Maguire to be extended beyond this year. But it's looking unlikely at this point. But I think that, um, as I mentioned, this last fortnight has really gave him a stay of execution um, over the next month or two for sure. So um, my number three coach that's under the most pressure um, would be Adam O'Brien from the Newcastle Knights. After the securing of Caelan Ponger and his deal for five years and getting that five-year extension, you'd think that, you know, the future was looking bright there for Newcastle. But two wins and five losses after seven rounds in front of their home ground. And and Adam O'Brien said as much in the press conference. He apologised to all the fans. 25,000 went out there to see them get flogged by Parramatta 39-2. It was a horrendous performance by Newcastle, their worst of the season. They've really been on a downward spiral since they won those initial two games. And... You know, when you look at their roster, you know, well, this is the, the team that Adam O'Brien probably wanted to assemble, but you look at it and you think, where's the star power? They're, they're halves, Clune and Clifford. Um, they've got a lot of potential, but they're so far, um, you know, still pretty green in the NRL. They don't have a huge amount of experience and they come up with some great plays, but their game organisation leaves a lot to be desired. And some of these big forwards like Daniel Sofidi, who's over the past five years probably been one of my favourite props in the NRL, he's not playing his best football. Only made 50 metres last week. Barnett's been out a long time from injury, uh, from suspension and injuries. So has Lachlan Fitzgibbon. Um, J- Jaden Braley hasn't helped that he's out for the season. They're starting at, you know, Rake in there at Darnley Half for him. So uh, there's excuses there for Adam O'Brien. But um, the way he carries himself, um, I think, was good this week that he took, you know, responsibility and, and said that they need to be better as a club. But the results need to start coming fast. or I think he's going to be under immense pressure. And if they don't start winning games, especially now that they spent so much money on Caelan Ponga, and if he doesn't show improvement, I think Adam O'Brien's going to unfortunately be the one that uh, pays the price at the end of the day. So big few months, big week this week, especially against Melbourne Storm for the Newcastle Knights. My number two coach under the most pressure is Trent Barrett. Um, and pretty much he's been under pressure since he took the helm there at the Bulldogs. But this year, obviously, expectations were higher than last year after you know a couple of wooden spoon seasons. They've signed some promising players and they've looked good in periods this year and they've been competitive majority of their matches. And they were in the lead at halftime despite um, having a lot of players out due to COVID or injury against the Broncos there. But they couldn't carry on and get the job done. At the end of the day, Barrett's going to start feeling the heat because... They have a much more competitive side on paper this year, and um, as I mentioned, they have been competitive defensively in matches, but they need to start getting some results their way, or Trent Barrett's going to be the one that pays the price. It's that simple. Um, it was never going to be an easy job, so it's hard to put the blame on him. But as I said, it's a result-driven uh, business, and and Trent Barrett um, has to find a way to get these Bulldogs size winning games, even if it is against the bottom eight um, on the ladder, they need to be competitive in their matches, and I think the next month they've got some easier games um, compared to some of the heavyweights in the competition that they've versed over the past month. I mean, I think that the Knights, the Tigers, the Raiders coming up, you'd have to think the Bulldogs have to win a few of those games at least for Trent Barrett to um, keep his job beyond the, the end of this year, unfortunately. so. Um, and my number one coach under the most pressure, he's one that's been flying under the radar in terms of he hasn't copped enough slack, in my opinion, and that's Justin Holbrook for the Gold Coast Titans. I am appalled by what the Titans have really dished out this season. They were terrible against the Cowboys last weekend. I think they've been terrible all year. They beat the Tigers by two points and the Warriors by two points. And both games, their opposition probably weren't there and weren't really in the game to win it. So um, other than that, they've looked awful. I mean, they've kept their heels close a couple of times, but they their defense is all over the place. I just don't believe in their structures at all. Justin Holbrooks is a defensive coach. It should be going better their spine's very inexperienced in the fact that they've got Brimson, Sexton, Jaden Campbell, Aaron Clark, all these guys in there that don't have a huge amount of NRL experience. But I always question the appointment of Brimson in the 5A position, and it shows you when Holbrook's named him back at fullback this weekend. I just think that um, at the moment something's got to change there. I mean, Holbrook even tried to put Fafita in the centres this week to get him to play his best football to try to do a something like a C-Cypher C- 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 tactic, and it just 
completely backfired. He was caught out multiple times defensively. And I just think that Holbrook's hitting the panic button. Um, he knows that he doesn't have a, a huge roster that's de- got depth in it, um, that if he drops other players, he doesn't know who to put him. And, and even with that lack of depth, to have guys like Campbell and, and Corey Thompson currently not in the 17, but named in the reserves, um, is a very interesting tactic. And I just think there's not leadership there. Big Tino is captain and he's a, you know, got a promising future ahead of him, but I just don't think he's there yet mentally to, to captain Australian club. And I just don't see where it improves for Gold Coast. And, Holbrook's had a few years now, and obviously they made the finals against the odds in 2021, but I just expect so much better things from the Titans this year, and the fact that he's escaped criticism that guys like Michael McGuire and Trent Barrett have got so far in 2022, I think is, uh, to be honest, is a bit biased, because I don't think there's been a team that's been more disappointed in this season than the Gold Coast Titans. So those are my five coaches anyway that are under the most pressure um, heading into round eight of the competition now let's get to Steve's NRL footy tips for round eight, and it all kicks off on Thursday night. And the action all kicks off for round eight on Thursday night up there at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane when the Brisbane Broncos host the Cronulla Sharks. And what a much-needed win it was last Friday night when the Broncos had a big second-half comeback to get over the top of the, the Canterbury Bulldogs, 34-14. to Adam Reynolds uh, really led the way with a try and free try assist for his teammates that... Really was a big captain's knock and was the reason that the Broncos signed him to really ice matches and, you know, be a difference maker. And he provided that last weekend, but they don't face an easy task this week because they're going up against the Cronulla Sharks team that has been dominating um, a lot of these teams in the competition there. They find themselves with five wins and two losses in fourth place after seven rounds and their two losses um, against... The Raiders in round one without their coach and against Melbourne, they've looked unstoppable apart from the Melbourne game um, since that round one defeat to the Raiders. So, you know, big performance last week against Manly in that first half to score 32 points. They looked all over the place in the second half um, and the wind conditions didn't help them, but uh, managed to hold on for a 32-24 to win. And the good thing about Cronulla is I think they've still had a lot of improvement left in them. Um, they're not getting everything right, but I think... The, the learning process of Hines and, and Moylan in the halves have really come a long way since that round one game. And um, as I mentioned, I still don't know if, if Moylan is the best pass partner for Hines, but I think that Hines has definitely matured into a game manager um, in the halfback position. And I mean, he's playing some outstanding football. And as I mentioned, to kick off the show, Sifo Sifo Talakai uh, last weekend in the centres. What a redemption story it's been for him this year. He has been outstanding coming in to replace the injured Connor Tracy there in the in the centre position. He hasn't played since 2017. It's an enormous and it was an enormous responsibility and it was one of the best performances I've ever seen in the first half last weekend against Manly. He was dominant. Two tries, three try assists, and Morgan Harper really just had a night to forget. Um it was going to be a hard task marking up against the the beast that is C for C for Talakai, but I mean how do you stop him? And, and that's what the Brisbane Broncos have to work out this week because you know after the success they got there this week, they're going to be going um, to the left-hand side uh, with the football a lot more often uh, in this game. And, you know, it's a big ask there for whoever marks up against him, whether it be Farnsworth or Katoni Staggs. Both players, um, I think, have personally hit or missed in defense. And whether it's putting an extra player on that side of the field to... Um, and, and leaving yourself a little bit short on the opposite side just to make sure Talakai is shut down. Whatever it is, um, Brisbane has to find a way to do it because uh, Kevin Wilder's club's still going to be under a bit of pressure. They're currently sitting in ninth place, as I mentioned. They've got three wins out of seven, but um, you know their ability to compete against the, the good teams have been questioned. They really were up early against the Roosters and Penrith, but the class of those two clubs um, when they played them this week, this year kind of got to the Broncos near the back end of both those matches. So I've got no doubt that Brisbane are going to be up for this contest. Um, but it's just a matter of whether they can hang on for the 80 minutes. And at the moment, how Cronulla are playing and how confident they seem uh, with the football in hand, as I mentioned, there's still work to be done. Um, and especially, um, you know, in just doing the little one percenters right. But I think their defense has been impressive this year. Um, the, the Sharks really a huge improvement for the back end of 2021, and I just think that they're in for a, a big year. I, I said it on the podcast at the end of last year that they could make the top four. I kind of tempered my expectations and put them in sixth in my season previews, but 
at the moment, they're looking like one of the teams to be in this competition, and um, they're looking unstoppable. So I'm, I'm going to go Cronulla. I'm going to go them by four points, but I think this Brisbane Broncos team is on the up and up. I think that Billy Walters has, and and Corey Pax, for that matter, off the bench, have offered more than Jake Turbin was in that position. I think that's a good change. Tyson Gamble is just a competitor. He doesn't always get it right, but I think he's a good half combination at the moment with Reynolds. And it was great to see T. Marie Martin come back into first grade after, you know, having to be forced to retire at the back end of 2019 and make a successful return. So um, I think that they're, they're definitely the underdogs heading this game, Broncos, but they could really call a stir and, and give Cronulla some headaches in this contest. But I think that Cronulla, especially um, with, you know, their leader, Dale Finucane, coming back into the squad this week, um, can get over the top of the, uh, the Broncos. I've got Cronulla by four points in this matchup. Friday Night Football this weekend kicks off at Seabus Super Stadium when the Gold Coast Titans host the Penrith Panthers from 6pm. And really, the Gold Coast Titans, as I mentioned um, in my Coaches Under Pressure segment where I put Justin Holbrook as number one, I just think that they're in real problem territory at the moment because they are just not playing anywhere near their potential. Their halves combination haven't worked to the effect that AJ Brimson... Um, has been moved back to the fullback position this week. Will Smith's going to come in at 5'8 to partner Toby Sexton. And I just feel like they are just running out of answers. Um, their defensive efforts have not been up to scratch. And I just really question the commitment by some of the 17 that we're seeing out there each and every week. I just They're not playing for each other at the moment. Justin Holbrook hasn't really been able to um, get them up for any performance this week, despite uh, this year, despite them winning two matches. And I just think that... All those people that predicted the Titans to follow up last year's shock final appearance and make the top eight this year, um, you know, it was full of optimism because I just didn't think it was going to happen, but I thought that'd be better than what they're playing. And it's really disappointing because, you know, last weekend against the Cowboys was a horrendous effort uh, by the Gold Coast Titans. And really, I think their fans are entitled for better. And if they can't fix this quickly, either their coach has to go or some major changes had to be made within the organisation, within that 17 that are going out there each and every week. I just think that they're in all sorts. And they're versing the benchmark of the competition this week in the Penrith Panthers. And if they do not come out and have a much improved performance this weekend, if that can't inspire them to not get humiliated in front of their home fans, I don't know what will. And if they lose this game by 40 or 50, immediate change needs to happen because um, that's a huge possibility. Penrith Panthers are just... Without a doubt, the benchmark of the competition at the moment. I know that the Storm won 70-10, and I'm looking forward to that big battle in Magic Round in Round 10 where it looks like Penrith might still be undefeated. I know they've got a tough game against the Eels next weekend, but, man, it's looking like the main event of the weekend without a shadow of a doubt, the Panthers versus Melbourne um, in Round 10 and Magic Round up there at Brisbane. And Really, the Penrith Panthers weren't great last weekend um, against the Canberra Raiders at home, and... You know, it took them a while to get going, and they were attacking Canberra's line. Canberra weren't playing great football and giving them a lot of opportunities early, and and it just looked like the execution was off for Panda if it wasn't a game that they were really up to, and then they still end up scoring thirty to six, uh, thirty six to point, uh, thirty six points, and outscoring obviously Canberra by thirty of them, and you know, it, it it's it's a promising sign when you know that things aren't going well for your club. Uh, with the football in hand, attacking the opposition line, but they still find a way to ways to score. And how they did that is they just kept showing up, kept doing what they were doing, didn't change their game plan, and eventually the Canberra Raiders forwards got tired and they took opportunity out in the wing. It took them about twenty minutes to score that try, but once they did, tries started coming quickly. And you know, a lot of lesser teams in this competition would have two or three sets on an opposition line and really start to panic if things weren't happening for them, they weren't scoring points and start to get frustrated and start to make unforced errors. But with players like Kalua and Cleary at the helm, they just keep to the game plan, don't panic, don't stress out, and eventually results come to this club. And it just shows you that they're a real high-quality football team. And it's not something that you develop overnight, but it's something they develop over a long period of time. And it's why they are the premiers and why they are the benchmark of this competition. And I think Isaiah Yo's role as that link player between Lua and Cleary is so important. Um, and we'll talk about the Roosters' misfortunes a little bit later and how they're really struggling to put it all together at the moment. I think they can really take a lesson 
from looking at what Penrith are doing there with Isaiah Yo in the middle of the field, being that link player, being that third playmaker, um, and really uh, being a person that the halves Cleary and Lua can turn to and know that he can make something happen if they're struggling at any point in the game. So I just think Penrith are flying on a different level at the moment. Um, they didn't look like they got out of cruise control against Canberra, and they still won the game comprehensively. And, and Cleary, um, free try assist, made it look effortless. His best performance of the year, and I just think that they're on a different level to 90% of the teams in the competition at the moment. And as I mentioned, Gold Coast, if they can't get up to this game, they're in serious trouble. And as I mentioned, immediate change must happen. But I just think... Penrith are going to be way too good in this game. I got Penrith by 30, and I think that might be being generous to the Gold Coast Titans because as we've seen this year, they have one of the worst defensive um, structures in the NRL, and, and some of their efforts efforts have to be questioned. So I've just got Penrith dominating the Gold Coast Titans on Friday night. The second game of Friday night football features two teams that have struggled for consistency in 2022, but it's shaping up to be one of the games of the round when the South Sydney Rabbitohs host the Manly Seagulls from Central Coast Stadium up there in Gosford. The Rabbitohs like taking home games up there. It's pretty much a second home ground for the Manly Seagulls. So it's going to be a good crowd up there, I'm sure, on Friday night to see two teams that, as I mentioned, have struggled for consistency, but without a doubt are two of the most high-profile teams in the competition battle on Friday night. And the Rabbitohs, they're coming off a loss to the West Tigers. Um a one-point field goal, 23-22, to but it was really the Rabbitohs that let themselves down in that game because statistically, the Rabbitohs just weren't in the game. They had 43% of possession, and that was their fault because they made 13 errors, um, 14 incomplete sets. They were only completing at 69%, uh, and overall this season, they do have the worst completion rate in the NRL. You just could sense in that Tigers game, if they could hang on to the ball, see how Sydney and Nick not get frustrated, not make unforced errors, then they were definitely going to find a way to get over the top of the Tigers and win that game of football. But it's one that they let slip away. And the rookie coach, Jason Demetrio, has to work out a way um, to really, you know, and obviously I'm sure that he'll be putting a um, an emphasis on handling uh, in training this weekend. But um, he needs to find a way to keep the Rabbitohs focused within games because I don't think they've played close to an 80-minute performance this year. Um, and I think while Cody Walker is getting better, him and uh, Lachlan Ilias, their combination still not where it should be. Ilias is controlling the game a lot better, um, and it's letting Cody Walker play a little bit more of his natural game. But I just think that um, if it's Taff has to come in and help the kicking game a little bit more and, and, and help manage this game of football, um, or you know they just need to be... There needs to be that link man like Penrith have, and, and Murray is a leader out there for sure and is one of the best players in the competition at the moment. But I just feel like there needs to be a sw- slight tweaking of the Rabbitohs' attack. But they, overall, they're scoring enough points. It's just whether they're in the game mentally that's uh, really the reason why they're three wins and four losses at this point of the season. For Manly, um, you know, they were losing 32 0 at half time, and it looked like it was disaster territory. It looked like it could get the 50 or 60 points for Cronulla in that. Um, you know, in the second half, but Manly really came back and and showed some fight in that second half. And you know they they're go- going without their superstar at the moment, Tom Sorovich, and they were guilty early in the season when he was on board before his injury. Um, of you know putting all the emphasis emphasis on on Tommy and putting a lot of pressure on him. But I think Cherry Evans has done a good job in terms of uh, really managing this side over the past few weeks. And then while they're not playing their best brand of football. I think that there is plenty of improvement in this Manly Seagull side. They've named Koala in the centres there this weekend because of Morgan Harper's bad defensive efforts against Talakai. But let's be honest, I don't know if anyone's going to stop Talakai last Thursday night. Um, and they get some of their big boppers back in terms of Kepi and Martin Tapia, which will really help them straighten their attack up. Um, but it's going to be a good battle there on Friday night because both of these teams are going to be desperate for two points. Uh, Manly find themselves with four out of seven wins. The Rabbitohs, three out of seven. So they're both on really the cusp of the top eight at the moment, and they're both two of the middle clubs of the competition in terms of form. So I just think that um, it could go either way. It's, it's a really hard game to tip. I mean, CR Sydney, as I mentioned, I think that they've got more of a... Um, of, you know, they, they've got more potential in their season this year. I think Manly definitely have a ceiling, especially without Tom Taroyevich on board. Um, the Rabbitohs have a bit more X-factor when guys like Damien Cook, Cam Murray and Cody Walker really get rolling, even without their superstar fullback in Latrell Mitchell. Um, but Manly, you know they're going to make this game a grind. If they have it their way, that's really going to be a low-scoring encounter and they might just brave out a victory 
Um, it's just whether CS can hang on to the ball and, as I mentioned, really get through their sets. If CS can play it over 75%, I think CS can win this game of football. It's just whether Manly's forwards can upset them. Um, and if they are, are on their mental battles here, CS Sydney, and can just play their natural brand of football, which they couldn't last week against the West Tigers. I've got CS Sydney by six points. I think they can recover in this contest. But these games usually go down to the wire between the Rabbitohs and Manly. I think last year's pre-Lim final was a bit of an outliner in terms of you know, Rabbitohs ran away with it. But usually these games are a big battle, and I just think that CF Sydney at the moment um, need to win more, and that's why I think Jason Demetrio will get his troops up and um, get them to get the two points this week. Manly, as I mentioned, they're going to get better, especially with Tom Sarovich coming back to the team in a few weeks um, in terms of not relying him all the time. And with players like Cherry Evans and Foran stepping up in the past few weeks, I think that... It's going to take the pressure off him, and getting these forward back, forwards will help back this weekend. But I think that Manly's best is still a few weeks away. And as I mentioned, the South could be a little bit more desperate this week. So I've got South Sydney in this one. All right, it's time for my favourite time of the week now. That's right, it's time for Super Saturday. And it's back to its regular scheduled programming this weekend. A free huge games on Saturday afternoon, and it doesn't get more desperate than this game. Let me tell you, the New Zealand Warriors hosting the Raiders at Morton Daly Stadium up there in Queensland. The Warriors, what do you say about them on Monday night? Going down 70-10 to 10 to the Melbourne Storm. It was an embarrassing defeat. It was the second time Nathan Brown as a, coach has, uh, as a player or a coach has been on the end of a 70-10 to 10 flogging by the New Zealand Warriors from his time at the Dragons when he was a player. But all jokes aside, I mean... The Warriors, they lost Curran. They lost some other players, some of the outside backs, but Curran was the big one. He's the hardest soul of this club, and they've got a lot of ins this week, the Warriors. Ben Murdoch from Silla comes in the uh, in the reserves. I wouldn't be surprised if I see him play. We've got guys like Katoa that comes back on the bench. Valier gets another start in the centres. Um, Jazz Tafunga is going to be starting this week as locked to make up for the loss of, of Josh Curran, and they're versing a Raiders side that, again... Just like the Warriors, they're on struggle straight at the moment. It was an embarrassing loss, um, 36-6 against the Panthers last Sunday afternoon to the point where the Panthers fans were doing the Viking clap and really insulting the Raiders, that, which I know insulted and upset some of the Raiders' supporters. But that's where the Raiders are at the moment. They're just not playing a good brand of football. Um, I really don't think that Ravner at fullback's the answer. Xavier Savage doesn't look comfortable in the wing there. Um, Snyder and Wyden haven't been getting many opportunities because their forwards are getting steamrolled at the moment. Papalihi, Tarpany was good, but the likes of Tarpany, uh, sorry, Papalihi, Hudson Young, Elliot Whitehead and co., they just need to be better um, and more competitive for 80 minutes of the game because if their forwards can't get momentum, you can't get the electric Jack Ryan to play his natural game and get his running game going. And Brad Snyder is only a young playmaker, and he's got a lot of pressure on him at the moment with Jamil Fogarty out, and he's done a good job overall this year. But you can't expect a kid to thrive when your forwards pack's only making 20 or 30 metres a set. So the Raiders really need to be up for this contest. Um, I think the loser of this game is out in terms of finals calculations this year, and that might be a a big thing to say, especially considering the Warriors have got three wins. Um, the Raiders only got two, but uh, especially for the Raiders, if they go two wins, six losses to start their season, and especially considering they've lost some close ones this year, um, that's going to be really hard to recover, especially considering they're Maria at the club at the moment. Some people might say, well, why didn't you have Rookie Stewart on your top five coaches under the most pressure this year? It's because he's done tremendous work over the club for the last five 10 years there, and he's got a good relationship with the CEO. I think Ricky gets a bit of a stay of execution there. Um, but really, if they struggle for the rest of the season, then there's definitely going to be some big pressure on him as well. And I just I don't understand what Jared Croker did to this club to the point where he can't get a run. I'd be having him. I'd be having Emre Gula in the 17. I'd be having Matt Frawley probably on the bench as well to to help out Starling a little bit. I don't know what chance Nicol Hodstad is you know, adding from the bench if he's not in the starting team. So I question some of these decisions Ricky's making, and I don't know if they're going to be up for this game against the Warriors because the Warriors, as I mentioned, they got huge pressure on them. If they don't perform this weekend, then it's alarm bells there. It's already alarm bells after the 70-10 defeat. But that, you look at the positives, it was 14-10 at halftime, and they were in that game against Melbourne, and then it just all fell apart for them. And when one thing went wrong, it really compounded, and everything started to go wrong for them with injuries and um, just poor defensive efforts. Um, and the fact that they only completed two out of six sets in the second half, the fact that they only had the ball six times in the second half just shows you 
how under pressure they were and how poorly they reacted to that pressure that was put upon them. And I think that they're going to really bounce back this week. Um, I know there's big criticism aimed at Sean Johnson, but the same thing with Snyder, right? Sean Johnson might be a more experienced player, but if the forwards aren't making metres and they're getting tired very quickly because they've got such a big forward pack, Johnson can't really have too much of an impact on the game. So the onus has got to be put on guys like Vanua Blake, Lodge, Ewan Aiken, Jazz Tamunga to really step up and... Um, and get the meters and straighten the attack up a bit. So guys like Johnson and Chanel TV to Harris and, and Reese Walsh at the back could really come in and play their natural game for the Warriors. And I think that the bench is important this week. Uh, Bunty Afoa, Katoa, you'd be hoping for big meters from those guys from the bench of the Warriors. And likewise for the Raiders, guys like Elliot Horsbrough, who has been dropped to the bench after a bit of a poor performance last week. They have to step up. They have to be better. And they really have to get their club out of a bit of a hole so they can get these talented players that both teams have, guys, as I mentioned, like Walsh, Sean Johnson, but for the Raiders, widen Rapina into the game. And um, at the moment, I think the Warriors, despite the fact they're losing to 60, I think that was not the Warriors in this year because they've been competitive for majority of the year. And I think if they can get some early momentum, they're going to be hard to stop. And at the moment, I just think the Raiders are down at confidence. They need something to really ignite their season I think the Warriors are going to be too motivated after being humiliated. And I think the Warriors are going to win this game by 10 points. I've got the Warriors upsetting the Raiders to start Super Saturday. Super Saturday continues at 5.30 when the Canterbury Bulldogs host the Sydney Roosters and the struggling Bulldogs. They were winning at halftime last weekend against the Broncos. I believe it was 14-12 to 12 before things started to go wrong. And, um, you know, it, it it's hard because uh, they had so many players out last weekend for injury or, or COVID, but... You'd still expect uh, some of these key players to really close this game out. I mean, Burden hasn't played his best football this year. Matt Dufty definitely hasn't been in his best. I think Flanagan's done a pretty good job coming in, but it's hard for him to come into a team that he really didn't train with all preseason. And their forward pack have really been dominated up the middle of the field, just like a lot of these struggling teams at the moment. And you just got to expect um, this week that... You know, it's going to be more of the same, unfortunately. I mean, they get some troops back, and guys like Luke Thompson and Paul Vaughan should be out there trying to make an impact. And Tavita Pengai Jr., um, Trent Barrett said, you know, he's an up-and-down player. He should be up all games because he's been getting a lot of, paid a lot of money for the Bulldogs, and he needs to be at his best each and every week. And as the weeks go by, the pressure mounts on Trent Barrett, the pressure mounts on the whole club. And, you know, I... I think even their most diehard fans probably wouldn't be expecting them to beat the Roosters this week, but if they put a performance where they get close to the Roosters, I think it would do the Maria at the club a whole lot, lot of good, and then the next few weeks they've got some easier opponents, easier opponents like the Knights and the Titans and the Tigers. They can start to get some wins on the board uh, for their season, but I think this is an important game for the Bulldogs, as I said, to get their season back on track, to make sure the effort's there. And who knows, the Roosters haven't been at their best this season and it was compounded in that Anzac Day game last uh, Monday and you you knew that the emotion was going to be up for both clubs. It's a huge occasion. The last ever Anzac Day game, as far as we know, at the SCG before the Roosters' new stadium opens at the end of the season. But they're they're just not clicking at the moment. Something's off. Tedesco's trying his arse out to to carry this team to the finish line. But guys like... um, Hargraves and Radley and Angus Crichton haven't been at the best this season, and especially the Haas, Walker and, and Kiri, they're getting a lot of opportunities. They're just not linking well. They're not complementing each other's games, and I feel like they're both still trying to have a mix between the running half and the game manager. I think each of them should have a well-defined role, and instead of linking, they're really just trying to take and take control when they have the footy of the team themselves and really try to do it all by themselves. I think they need to working tangent a little bit better. And I think, as I mentioned in the Panthers game, about how they were you know, not scoring points early in that game against Canberra, but they didn't panic. They didn't get frustrated. They played their natural game. They tied out the Raiders, and they eventually got the points on the board. One of the most valuable assets to Panthers is Isaiah Yo and him being the link man between the two halves. And I think that that's what Victor Radley needs to do. Tedesco is the captain. He's going to be a game-breaker. You know what he's going to expect. So it's safe to say he's the most important player in this Roosters outfit. But if not him, I think it is Victor Radley. I think he is the man that can link Walker and Keery and get their best football out of them. Not every team's going to have that link man between the halves and that playmaker type um, lock. And and I don't know if Radley is that playmaker type lock, but what he, what we've seen that he can do is he can straighten the attack up 
and get Kiri and Walker more time. But I don't think Radley's been at his best this season. I think for the Roosters to really succeed, he needs to be at his best. Sam Verrills needs to be taking his opportunities at a dummy half. If the Roosters forwards can really lay a platform and get those quick play the balls, I think Verrills in space can be dangerous. And I think it's just going to be a work in progress. Trent Robinson, a few weeks ago, was on NRL 360, and he's... He thought that it was going to start coming together. Um, it hasn't got there yet, but I think that this game against the Bulldogs is a game that a lot of people expect the Roosters to win. It is a danger game for the Roosters because of that, but I think it's a real opportunity for them to tweak their game slightly, fine-tune it, and figure out what's been ha- going wrong for the first two months of this competition. So um, it's going to be an interesting battle up there. You've got playmakers like Hutchison on the bench as well, and ball players like Baker and Butcher, I think they... They're good uh, forwards that can really also create opportunities there. So um, they've got a lot of fire here, the Roosters. As I said, it's just not coming together at the moment. It's a big game for them to get it right against the Bulldogs. And unfortunately for the Bulldogs, I think the Roosters will start to get show improvement um, and be a lot better than they were in that game against the Dragons where they had plenty of opportunities to win that game. But it just couldn't ice it. I've got the Roosters by 14 against a... Uh, a Bulldogs team that's going to put the hard work in, but at the, at the end of the day, just be outclassed by the Roosters. And the final game of Super Saturday takes place at 7.30 when the Parramatta Eels host the North Queensland Cowboys, and it was good for the Eels to get back on the board uh, last weekend for a dominating victory over the Newcastle Knights. They really shook off that Easter Monday loss to the Tigers, got back to their foundations and started playing some really good football. Um... Under the leadership of, of guys like Dylan Brown, who's shifted out to the centre successfully, uh, Mitchell Moses, um, Reid Marnie was at his damaging best, and I think that their big forwards like Junior Paulo, Campbell Gillard, and Isaiah Papalihi really stood up and led this Parramatta Eels side around last Sunday afternoon. They're versing a Cowboys team that, um, you know, they they have been the surprise pack of the year for me so far. Four wins, three losses. I thought that'd be wooden spooners. I really um, was questioning their lineup and and their buys in the off season. But Dearden and Townsend have done a really good job um, in getting the most out of their big forward pack. Tamalolo's made a huge difference with the increased minutes he's been playing. I think Scott Drinkwater has been a revelation at the back. I think he used the man of the match, man of the match again last weekend against the Titans. And these young players like Nanai Luki, Griffin Neem, Tom Gilbert, Ruben Cotter all doing their part, doing a good job, showing that a lot of them have promising futures to the point where Tom Gilbert has been snatched up by Wayne Bennett's Dolphins for 2023. But um, I think that the Eels have to really focus this week on being a team and a club that um, they dropped the game against the Tigers a couple of weeks ago. And it's so typical of Parramatta teams in the last 20 years to step up in the big matches against big teams in the regular season. They really just seem to take advantage of these teams that, you know, they're expected to beat. And as I said, the Cowboys, they shouldn't be because the Cowboys have been effort, effort, effort this season. I mean, really stepped up and, and really just improved dramatically from the end of 2021. But again, I just think the Eels do, cannot underestimate their opponents, especially this week against the Cowboys. Or the Cowboys will make them pay like the Tigers made them pay a fortnight ago. I think it's a real danger game for Parramatta this weekend. And um Valentine Holmes is playing good football. It's going to be an interesting battle um, with him and Peter Hiku against Panisi and Dylan Brown, who you know is having such a great season, but he hasn't played a huge amount of games in the centres. Um, I think that the forward pack battle is going to be big, and you would expect Parramatta's big forwards to get over the top of the Cowboys based on their experience. But I think that the the Cowboys have a versatile, uh, you know, a versatile young forward pack that could cause some questions to the Eels' defensive line. I'd just have to... you got to think if the Cowboys were to upset the Eels in this game, that they're going to have to be at their absolute best, um, especially defensively, because the Eels have got firepower all over the park. And I just think that at the moment, I think the Eels were really refocused last week and learned a hard lesson on Easter Monday that I don't think they will underestimate the Cowboys. And while I think an upset's possible this weekend, I just think the Eels will be too strong at the end of the day. I've got the Eels by 14. I think it's going to be off the back... Of, uh, of some big performances by Clint Gustin, who was quiet last week, Mitchell Moses, and I think that Reid Marnie is proving that he's going to be a big boy for the Cow- uh, the Bulldogs next season. He was impressive last week. I think that he's going to get some of these big bottom forwards to charge over like he did against the uh, the Knights last week and expose the Cowboys' defense a little bit. But as I mentioned, he can't question the Cowboys' def- uh, F- defensive efforts this season, and they're going to need it this weekend against Parramatta, who I think might expose them a little bit. I've got the Eels by 14 points against the courageous Cowboys outfit. 
And Sunday afternoon football this weekend kicks off at 2pm at McDonald Jones Stadium when the struggling Newcastle Knights host the dominant Melbourne Storm this weekend. And what a mismatch this looks like on paper. I mean, Dan Gagai and Heimel Hunter out for the Knights, which can compound their issues because Gagai's probably been their best player this season. Um, they, their name in a pretty similar outfit to last week. Daniel Saifidi is starting for them. Uh, but him and Clamour are going to have to be their be- at their best against Melbourne's big forwards because... Um, Melbourne just proved their dominance last Monday night in that Anzac game, that traditional Anzac game against the Warriors. They had a great work record of the Warriors heading into that game, but 70-10, to 10, it was 14-10 to 10 at half time, and the Storm scored 56 points in one of the most dominating single halves of football I've ever seen. They had 87% of the football. I can think they completed 19 out of 21 sets in that half of football, scored, what, eight tries. They were dominant. Um, in that victory, it was just outstanding, outstanding football. And Ryan Papahousen at the moment is on another level compared to most of the league. As I mentioned, two tries, three tries. Just, he was just outstanding. Um, Munster's playing some of his best football his career. Jerome Hughes is really complimenting both Munster and Papahousen nicely. Harry Grant and Brennan Ch- Smith, the Cheese, are doing their jobs, especially the Cheese coming in the middle. And Harry Grant really finding some space for their big forwards and finding opportunities at a dummy half for himself um, against four, tired opposition. He lost the trial line. He's been finding it this year. Um, their whole 17. You can't question any of the effort we've seen this year. Smith and Coates are playing some of their best, and, and Meany as well, all playing some of their best football in their careers at the moment. And the Storm are firing on all cylinders to the point where I think they can really challenge... Penrith and potentially get the win over Penrith in a couple of weeks and give Penrith their first loss of the season. That's how highly I think the Storm are going at the moment. I think Craig Bellamy is determined to make sure that they can keep this up all season and not let it slip like they did in the preliminary final last year. But um, they're just on another level at the moment, the Storm. And um, it showed when they kind of dismantled the uh, the Sharks a fortnight ago. I know they lost to the Eels, what was it, around Freenia, but since then they've just been a... Um, a side on a mission, and, you know, their players are just in career-best form at the moment. And I think that this, while they're losing all of their forward pack to the Dolphins next year and to the Roosters, Brandon Smith's um, situation, but I think this is going to be one last hurrah where they're going to be this big dominant team, and I think they're going to be such a force in this competition that it's going to be hard for any team to beat them. And unfortunately, at the moment, Newcastle are just playing awful. Um, their commitment's got to be questioned. Caleb Pong has signed a five-year deal. He has to work out how he's going to play his best football at this club because he needs to make a huge difference. He has to be the man of the match on Sunday if they have any chance against the Melbourne Storm. And, um, you know, their poor halves in Clifford and Clunan started the year off so bright, but when their forwards, starting props are only making 50, 60 metres a game, there's not much they can do behind such a badly beaten forward pack that are only making 20, 30 metres a game. So, uh, for me, the Storm is going to be way too strong. I'd love to see an improved effort for Newcastle and in front of their home crowd. You would hope they show an improved effort, but even if they do that, the Storm is going to be too strong for them. I've got the Storm by 24, but it could well and truly be a lot more like we saw last Sunday, but you've just got to hope that the Knights show a little bit of that heart and soul that they had in the first opening few weeks of this competition. And the final game of round eight might be the, just the game of the round at Wynn Stadium in Wollongong. Two teams that have suddenly won a few games in a row and are travelling with confidence. The St. George Dragons hosting the West Tigers. And, man, we'll start with the... We've talked about the Tigers a lot. We'll start with the Dragons, but what a dominant performance it was in that first half and a brave performance in the second half to get over the Sydney Roosters. They were at their best last week, the Dragons. They got a few key injuries in Jack Burgess amazingly been named this week. He might not play. Jaden Sewell is going to be a huge loss. He looks like he suffered a serious injury there as well. Um, but man, I mean, the likes of Ben Hunt to control the team around, and then their forwards. I mean, I thought Molo was great. I thought McCulloch was great defensively and with the football. I think that Sims made a difference, and so did Josh McGuire, who's been outstanding in his two weeks back in first grade this year after that lengthy suspension that he suffered last year. And you know that's going to be a part of his game, Maguire. But if he can just concentrate on football, he's going to be a different maker for this club. And um, I think Amon is trying off the bench. He's been mixed. Sometimes he tries a little bit too hard. Um, but if Bird's ruled out, I think he can slot straight back into the 5'8". And I think that they... Um, they have some much-needed confidence at the moment. The Newcastle win wasn't pretty. The Roosters win wasn't pretty, but especially in that Roosters win, they showed so much heart that showed you that the defensive structures that Anthony Griffin's put in place this year are finally starting to pay dividends 
and maybe the Dragons getting behind it and not going to concede easy points like they did in the opening month or so of this competition. So improvement by the Dragons. I, I like what I'm seeing there at the moment. And, um, you know, it's letting guys like Lomax and Suli, um you know, be a bit of a difference maker out there in the outside backs, in the centres and on the wing there and getting some quality boy out to Ramalala. If they can do that more consistently then I think the Dragons' attack um, improves dramatically as well. So they're versing a Tigers team. As I mentioned, they're flying at the moment. Two big Golden Point wins um, over the last fortnight. I don't think they played great, great in that game with the Rabbitohs, but what they showed was still they showed heart and they showed effort, which uh, Michael Maguire's club definitely didn't show in the opening month of the competition. And that Eels win, um, the performances before that seem a lifetime ago at the moment because Hastings are really straight in the attack. Um, I think he's been instrumental. I think the forward pack has really improved. James Tamo led the forward pack uh, outstandingly last weekend, and I think that Little has really taken this um, reprieve back in the first grade with both hands, especially last week. I thought he was enormous. So um, I think their best football um, is might be still in front of them this year, the Tigers. I mean, I just like the effort they're showing at the moment. I still don't think they're world beaters, and I think they've still got some holes uh, defensively that the Rabbitohs did expose at points last weekend. But you like to see the improvement from both clubs, and you'd think um, it would be a big crowd up there at Win- down there at Wynn Stadium on Sunday afternoon. I think that, um, you know, that both of these teams' fans haven't had a huge amount to support to like over the last 10 years and to really cheer, but the effort that both teams have shown over the past fortnight should be applauded. And I think that uh, the home ground advantage might just get the Dragons over the line, but I think it's going to be a real toss-up. I don't think either team's playing, you know, their best brand of football, but I think the composure of Ben Hunt, and especially if Jack Bird plays, I think he can really shut down Hastings and put some pressure on him because I think he's a really good defender, Jack Bird. I just think the Dragons got a little bit too much at the moment. They're flying high of confidence I've got the Dragons by eight points, and I think that this is really important part for their season, especially if they're going to be in finals contention for the end of the year. Even one of these teams, it's a big game in relation to their season this weekend, but I've got the Dragons being a bit too strong. All right, so those are my tips for round eight of the NRL, and it's a bit of a longer show this weekend, but I hope you enjoyed the opening conversation. Um, as I mentioned, a lot of teams under pressure at the moment, but some teams starting to find their footing in 2022 and some teams that are still going to put it together. And then obviously the dominant teams like Penrith and Storm just asserting their dominance um, over the past few weekends. So a big couple of weeks in relation to those teams that are again the top eight at the moment to really kickstart their season. And just to recap my tips in round eight, I've got the Sharks being too strong for the Broncos on Thursday night. On the Friday night games, I've got Penrith destroying um, a very disappointing Gold Coast Titans team. I've got South Sydney just getting over the top of Manly. The Super Saturday games, I've got the Warriors bouncing back against the Canberra Raiders. The Bulldogs um, putting up a fight but not being good enough against the Roosters. The Eels beating the Cowboys. The Storm being way too strong for the Knights. And the Dragons um, winning a thriller against the West Tigers. So, um, you know, a lot of favourites have gone this weekend, but I think it's justified in terms of you look at the competition and you're starting to see a bit of a difference between the teams that are strong, the teams that aren't, and you're starting to see some confidence from some teams that were previously struggling. So I'm excited for this weekend of football. I think it looks like it's going to be a good a good week for sure. I'm going to get my best bets ready momentarily. Before we get to that, I'm just going to go over to the Supercoach corner. And I've had a terrible week last weekend. I got 1,150, but there's people getting 1,600s and... I went down the season rankings a fair bit because of it. But if you guys play in Supercoach, you know it's been a tough year, especially if you don't have the likes of Hines, Pab House, and O'Cleary. They've been dominant. If you don't have Talakai, he looks like the buy of the week. Jump on him now. Um, I like him. I also like Valier uh, for the Warriors coming back into the side this weekend. I've sit on him all week. He's only played one game, and he's 205k. I think he can cause some damage against the weekend Raiders' back line. So uh, this weekend, my boys are... Valier, my buyers are Nick, uh, Nico Hines, and my buyers are Sisefa Talakai. Um, that's my recommended buyers. And I also think it's imperative for a lot of these super coaches that are thinking about James Tedesco to hold him. I mean, the, to- the Roosters weren't great last weekend, but he still made 300 metres, 76 super coach points. If he can get a trial, set up a couple of tries, I think he's got a lot more to give in this game, James Tedesco. So I would be thinking that some people that are trading him are crazy at the moment. So hold James Tedesco is my advice in Supercoach this week. Let's get over to the best bets of the week. Um, if you've noticed by my tips, I've gone an upset this week, and that is 
um, just head-to-head, and that is the New Zealand Warriors against Canberra. I'm not confident at all by what I'm seeing from the Canberra Raiders, and you might, you might be saying, how are you confident tipping a team that, you know, has been horrendous um, this season in the... Um in certain points, but, you know, especially last week. But the worries for me, I just think you're a team with a higher ceiling at the moment than the Raiders. The Raiders seem down on confidence. So if you like them head-to-head there, it's $2. But if you don't, I recommend taking them with the start. I think that, um, you know, it's only 2 So, in fact, you're probably better off just taking them head-to-head. I'm going to go the Warriors, $2.05, and I'm going to put that in with um, South Sydney at $1.58. I think they can be against back. I'm also going to throw in the Eels at $1.30 to beat the Cowboys. So, CS to beat Manly, the Warriors to beat Canberra, and Parramatta to beat the Cowboys this weekend is my bet of the weekend. That gives you um, $4.20. So, not bad odds if you want to put 10 or 20 on that. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show this week. Um, next week, hoping to have a guest back on. But, you know, as I mentioned, it's an important uh, week for especially those teams that are struggling to really come out and give back to their fans and give back to their coaches who are starting to get under a lot of pressure um, in relation to their job security. So enjoy your football this weekend. It should be a good round. I'll see you guys next week on Steve's NRL Footy Tips.